The following podcast contains language that may not be suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised as this podcast is rated R. No ifs, ands, or buts. Tonight's show of Two from Hell. I'm Anthony T. And I am director Andrew Duran. What's going on? Not much. Just breathing with the switchblade. That's all. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Jay White is all elite. And I'm a big Bullet Club fan. It's more a wrestling thing. So. You? Not much, man. You know, I started the campaign for my um, my film that we're doing in June. Uh, start, it's really doing good. Um, other than that, I've just been really busy. Now, how has your campaign been going so far? Good. We're more than 50% um, done in just like, I don't know, five, six days. That's good. Yeah, it's going real good. Now, this is going much faster than your other campaigns. Yeah. A lot faster. Which is good. Yeah. Um, we got a lot of cool perks on there. Um, I just brought back uh, the assistant producer perk because that sold out twice. So it's back up there. But yeah, man. Yeah. We're doing good. We're excited. You got a lot of them, including producer credit, cast and crew Zoom call. Mm-hmm. On set. On set. Too. On set. Okay. Yeah, that um, casting, um, that Zoom call is uh, while we're on set, um, we'll call you and we'll talk to you for a little bit. Um, got signed scripts, signed posters. You know, I got a bunch of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah, we just added as a team. We just added a um another screen uh a screen used prop that we're going to be using in the movie because uh we added one of the screen used knives and it uh, sold out in like twenty minutes. So so yeah yeah the sheriff's badge yeah sheriff badge is up there now so you also got missing persons as well. Yeah, you can pay uh, $15 and you can be on a missing person flyer. Yeah, that's good. That's cool to know. Yeah, uh, lots of things. Like I said, we um, I didn't think the uh, assistant producer thing was going to be a hit. Um, we put one up. It sold out very quick. 
we put another up. It sold out very quick, and then we would just put another one up there. Now, what happens when you reach your goal? Uh, when we reach our goal, if we um, have time um, left over, we're going to hit the stretch goals. I mean, because, like, why not? And, uh, you know, just see what happens. Which we won't get into until we get to that point. Correct. Uh, we, if we hit stretch goals, uh, we can add a couple more fun things, you know. But main focus is just uh, complete the campaign and uh, think about that when it comes. All right. Let's start off with topics. We're going to talk about Scream 6 in this episode at the end. Yeah. It's going to be spoilers. So we're just letting you know right now. Yes. Lots of spoilers. Lots of spoilers. We won't tell you how good or bad it is. Actually, if you listen to my podcast, you already know what I think about this film. But I'll talk more about it. So we'll start off with a topic that I sent you probably about an hour before we recorded. Hmm. That is Five Nights at Freddy's to debut simultaneously in theaters and Peacock in October. Yeah, I'm going to let you uh, take the ground for this because I've never seen anything Five Nights at Freddy's. Now, if you don't know what Five Nights at Freddy's is, it's like a popular video game. There's lots of toys for this. You've seen them in stores and stuff. They're pretty popular. Yeah, I do see the toys a lot, and I do know it's a video game, but like other than that, I don't really know much about it. But when I came to this news item that is set to debut simultaneously in theaters and on Peacock in October, I was surprised. Seriously. Because, A, that's not a good sign. Look at Firestarter. Yeah. That's not a good sign. Then again, it's from Jason Blum <laughs> and Blumhouse Productions. I think it's a really big mistake on both Universal and Blumhouse to even put this film on Peacock. Because this is an actual video game. Yeah. There is a fan base for this. This film should be in theaters no regardless if it's bad or not because people who love the video game are going to go see it in theaters yeah, i would assume so you know that's usually what happens when uh something has a you know a large fan base you know you go out and see it the fact that it's on peacock is a red flag due to previous experiences so it could be good but that's not a good sign, especially for a video game property that probably could get 10, 15 million opening weekend top at least. Why would you put it on Peacock? If anything, you put Cocaine Bear on Peacock. <clears throat> because that was more way out there than Five Nights at Freddy. But they got lucky with Cocaine Bear. It did well at the box office. I still got a sequel, Game Bear. Um, I did not get to see that yet. It's coming out on Blu-ray this month, as they uh, recently announced the Blu-ray date for that film. I think it's at the end of the month, I believe. Oh, really? 
Yeah, it just broke like maybe a day or two ago. As it's going to hit Blu-ray the 18th of this month. That's quick. Yeah, it is. From day of announcement to putting it on Blu-ray. That's just quick, seriously. Like two weeks. Because it originally had a July 1st Blu-ray date. Which I was thinking to myself, are they really going to wait to July 1st for this? To be out, considering everything else gets out quickly. I'm surprised it hasn't hit Peacock yet. Uh, th- I-, I thought it would have done that before it hit um, physical media. I'm guessing maybe the very maybe next week. I don't know. The 14th maybe will probably end up on Peacock. I'm guessing. Yeah. So I mean, once it goes on, I'm gonna check it out because I have I did hear it was really good. Oh, it was bonkers. I had a chance between that and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, and I chose Cocaine Bear because, well, I've been hearing bad reviews about the new Ant-Man film, so I figured I'd give Cocaine Bear a chance since everybody was saying it was good. Yeah. That film felt like a fucking trauma film. It's just bonkers how all of a sudden Universal Pictures has adopted the trauma entertainment style of filmmaking between that film and Violent Night. This is bonkers. No, trauma uh, trauma is fun, so, you know. Who would have ever thought you would get a trauma-like film from a major studio? Seriously. That's what Cocaine Bear felt like. That's what I was thinking midway through the film. Am I watching a trauma film or a studio film? Because this is just so crazy. It's so whacked out. Yeah. Literally. And it's directed by Elizabeth Banks, who's mostly known as a serious actress, too. Hmm. Doing this whacked out film. So it's just amazing. That's pretty good. But it's very good. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested in in seeing that once it comes out. Yeah, it is definitely worth checking out. If you're a trauma fan, definitely check this film out. It's just so fucking bonkers. Perfect transaction in, you know, keeping keeping up the conversation about talking about shocking films. Uh, what about the cast of Maxine? Oh, yes. Oh. It's like, what the heck? Man, was I, my jaw dropped. Dude, mine too, and it, you know it takes it takes a lot to say like holy shit. But what when I seen the little um, teaser thing for Maxine, they started dropping the names that they did. I was like, what is this? Yeah, I know. You have we knew Kevin Bacon was probably going to be involved. There were rumors about that. Yeah, you got Elizabeth Debicki, if I'm pronouncing it right, who's in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two and Three. Michelle Monaghan from a couple of the Mission Impossible films. You have uh, Singer Hazley, and you have Gianna Carlo Esposito, a.k.a. Moff Gideon from The Mandalorian. Yeah. And in, also was in Breaking Bad in this film. That's a, that's a pretty stacked cast. For a Ty West film, nonetheless. Okay, yeah, for real. Yeah, literally. I was surprised, especially the Gianni Carlo Exposito casting. 
That's just that was a surprising name because he's doing a lot of things. He just finished Better Call Saul. He's on The Mandalorian. I mean, did we expect any of this to uh, for them to add besides that? Just maybe the uh, Kevin Bacon. I did not expect this casting list at all. Yeah, uh, I don't me either. Because some of these are also like notable character actors as well. It's like it's an upgrade from X. Mm. And you wouldn't think it, it, they would upgrade from X. Especially when you had Jenna Ortega and Brittany Snow. That's a huge upgrade. It really is a big upgrade. Uh, you know, even though I, lo- I love the uh, the original cast of X, but, you know, this is an upgrade. This is an upgrade. You've got probably a couple of great actors in this film. Yeah. Who would have thought that would happen in 2023? That Maxine would have a stacked cast of known actors and actresses. Right. From either the acting or music field. It is wild. It is wild. I'll give it to A24. They're really putting their money on this film. Yeah, good. That means, you know, if if that, you know, that's the case, that means they really have a feeling it's going to be a good film. And, you know, we're, I know as fans, we're excited, but, you know. Yeah, this could be if a great film. It's got the cast. I'm excited, man. I, I think I have a feeling Maxine's going to be a little bit different. Yeah, it's going to be different from... You have to expect that. We're going to the 80s. Yes. It's It's not going to be a Texas Chainsaw Massacre type film. It's not going to be a Wizard of Oz type film. We're going to the 80s, baby. As this is probably, hopefully, the last film in this trilogy. I would assume it is. I I don't think they would... I mean, what could you do after this? I know. Yeah, so, I mean, I think this is it, and this is how, if you want to go out with a bang, this is how you do it. Yeah, and hopefully this lives up to the first two movies, unlike a certain recent trilogy that will go nameless. Mm. Cunningham. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Anthony's favorite Halloween ends. Yeah, that's, he, he's that's such a the Corey hint of fan. the trilogy that will go nameless. He's such a Corey Cunningham fan. He just I hate him. this. He One of the worst him. characters in horror. All right, uh, now let's dive into um, Terrific Con. I know you were very excited about that, Clinton. Yes, I'm like so excited about this con. I went there 2021 the first time there. It was like, I didn't want to go too, too far because of COVID opening everything up and everything. And it was like this convention in Mohegan Sun. So I figured I'd give that a try. Because, well, I've never been to Terrificon. I've always heard good things about it. So I decided to check that con out for the first time. Really loved it. Mm. Had a great time. Met Dobby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Ty Mayo. Uh, I met the writers from Random Acts of Violence. Now, if you read the comic book and see the film, find the 
a way to get the comic book. It's much better than the film. As it, there's a lot more stuff that you couldn't do in a feature film. Plus, it's more into the business and everything, with these cons and everything, too. Which I also liked about that book. So, uh, it was fun. Met Michael Rooker as well. It's Scott Patterson from Saw 4 and 5. So, that was pretty much motivation to go there. This year... I was so motivated to go there once they started announcing these big guests that I've been wanting to see. Plus, the fact that there is a lot of horror-related guests here. This is a much better guest lineup than CT Horror Fest so far. Seriously. This is what CT Horror Fest should be doing. Try to get some, maybe one or two of these names. Yeah, CT Horror Fest hasn't been, uh, you know, really going crazy with the guests. I'm, I, I honestly, I'm surprised. Slow burn doesn't work sometimes, but not when Terracon's announcing a Monster Mania level type show. Right. You would think they would do this, but. Let's right, yeah. run all the so-called horror guests. They're like indirectly. Now, headlining, I'll give you the headliners of the show. First is Jonathan Frakes from uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and Picard. As they're doing a big Star Trek thing here. And there's a lot of indirect horror guests coming out of the Star Trek program hmm. that's happening. Next up, you got Anthony and Michael Hall from the Dead Zone TV series in Halloween Kills. You have Michael Bean from The Terminator and Aliens. You have his wife, Jennifer Block Bean from Dark Angel and... The Divide and The Victim, in which she stars with her husband, Michael. You have Terry Farrell, who is in Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. I'm surprised they don't promote that here. Right. You you would think they would promote that here. You have Andrew Robinson, that's one of the main names that sells me on this con. Because he's a rare guest. He's been in Hellra- the original Hellraiser, first of yep. all. So that's definitely going to get my interest. He was also in Child's Play 3. You have Amy McLean from Terrifier 2. As they're also doing a general hospital program there. I like it. This more. You got Sheen Gunn. James Gunn's brother. And he's appeared in a couple trauma films. I he, did, um, not to interrupt you, but I know there was a specific guest we were excited about, uh, for, um, 
Rhode Island Comic Con, and I think I got rumors that he canceled. I will check that out. Just give me one second. We got Sheen Flannery from Saw 3D in the Boondock Saints. We got Kyle Dodge. You might not know him, but he was the voice of the dummy on Goosebumps. You have Kobe Minhiffy, if I'm pronouncing it right, from Fear the Walking Dead. Or Fear the Walking Dead. You have John Glover from Fear the Walking Dead. Gremlins to the New Match. And I believe it's also in Scrooge to the sort of horror comedy with Bill Murray. Of course, you have Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. From Reanimator. That's definitely a pro photo op. Because they didn't have any pro photo ops at CT Horror Fest, so I would have done a pro photo op, obviously. As he's part of the Star Trek program. We have Josh Sedega from Scream 6. We'll talk about Scream 6 later. But I'm definitely meeting him. Because after all, I love Scream 6, which I'll get spoiler alert. So I will get to that later. You got Michael Cutlets from The Walking Dead. You have Danhausen. You have Ross Marquard from The Walking Dead. You have Cooper Andrews from The Walking Dead. And I believe that might be it. Horror related. Yeah, that's a good, that's a fucking stacked lineup. That's something CT Horror Fest wishes they had. Oh, absolutely. It's like, this is the lineup. CT Horror Fest should get at least one or two of these guys by now. Yeah. Instead. You know, breaking news, Sam Raimi did cancel Rhode Island Comic Con. That was quick. Yep. My heart's already broken. Yeah, that sucks. I'd like to know why they advertised him this early and he canceled. Canceled. Meaning he's probably working on a movie. Possibility. Most likely in November. There's always, uh, there's always Felicia Day. That sucks. For Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. Anyway, that really bummed me out. Yeah, that did bum me out, too. It's like, what the hell? I hate advertising guests to what? March? And now you don't. He cancels like one one month after being one two months after being announced. Yeah, about that. Now you only got like two headliners so far. But let's talk about this month and all the horror films that are going to be in theaters. Oh yeah, you got Evil Dead, Rising, Evil Dead Rising, Rising. uh Renfield. 
Renfield. The Pope's Exorcist. That's right, The Pope's Exorcist. This Uh, one's actually really stacked. Yeah. With, like, a lot of movies I want to see. Like, I am interested in seeing The Pope's Exorcist. I'm going to see uh, Evil Dead Rises, and I'm going to see uh, Renfield. Yeah, for me, it's Renfield. I don't know, one and two, it's, like, tough between Evil Dead Rise and Renfield for me. The Pope's Exorcist is a distant third. As for excitement level, I'm not really into the Pope's Exorcist. I'll give it a shot, yes, eventually. But out of the three movies out this month coming... That's not the film I'm most eager to seeing. Yeah, mine is between Evil Dead and uh, Renfield. I'm probably going to catch at least those two. 100%. And you get Renfield and the Pope's Exorcist debuting on the same day. That I don't like. Yeah, I don't like that neither. I think Renfield probably will be do better than the Pope's Exorcist. I think I would I would assume so because you got Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. That's enough for me. That's yeah. the tiebreaker, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be great just because of him. Yeah, you can count for yeah. Bayou is afraid. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. Don't mind me. If I'd known about this earlier, I would have tried to pronounce it earlier. But that's Ari Eister's new film. It's supposed to be this weird comedy, drama, horror film that clocks in at three hours. Three hours? Yeah, three hours. Holy shit. That's Ari Eister for you. Yeah. He loves those three-hour films. That is a lot. That is a lot. Then you got other films like The Black Demon, which I doubt will get any traction this month. Then looking towards May... Doesn't look much. Yeah. Probably a good thing. Yeah. And then, um, then in June, we're filming. Yep. We're filming in June. So you can't wait for that. Very excited for that, man. We're all looking forward to that. We're all very happy. We're very excited. Can't wait. All right, let's move on to the next topic. It's the screen topic. Our main topic this episode. Um, so spoilers, right? Yep, spoilers. Uh, Sydney dies. Or doesn't he even show up in this film? <laughs> yeah, basically. Technically, she did not die. They did say she was in hiding again. Yeah, uh, yeah. She was hiding. Again. What else is new? 
This was probably uh, one of my favorite screen films I've seen in a long time. Yeah, this was great. I have to admit, this is a film... This is what I wanted Jason Takes Manhattan to be. Instead, we got a cruise ship for like two-thirds of the movie. Yeah. And when we got to Manhattan, it was bad. Yeah. It would be kind of hard to fuck up a scream film in Manhattan. Considering... What's funny was, we was actually very nervous about this in the beginning when they announced this. Yeah. Because when you say the words, we're, we're taking an all-or-nothing approach, that makes you nervous. Absolutely. It's more like you're gambling. The franchise. And apparently this film hit the jackpot. Yes. Because this film, as we talk, I will look at the box office numbers as of when we are recording. But this film was just great. The opening scene was probably the best opening scene in the franchise, except for the first one. Yes. First of all, I like the way that Samara Weaving was talking in her Australian accent, which was very different. Because we're used to seeing Samara Weaving talking more like an English accent. I thought, it, from watching the beginning of uh, Scream, I thought that's how the movie was going to go down. Like, I thought so, too. That would have been yeah. cool. Yeah. As of right now, it's 99 million dollars in the U.S. Good stuff. It's going to go over 100 million. Good. And it deserves to go over 100 million. Yeah. It's a very good film. I like it when good films get to 100 million. That shows that people want to watch entertaining and creative films. Absolutely. And this was very creative, I have to admit. You have Ghostface using a shotgun. That was when cool. we ever seen that in the series? Yeah, that was very in mask. Cool. That was probably one of the best moments in the series. What else was a great moment was the whole shrine. Yeah, I I, I love the shrine. I love that there was three killers. I love the mask. When I first thought about the shrine, they're gonna do a cult of Ghostface. Thing. Well, in the beginning, it looked like we were getting a cult of Ghostface. Yeah. With uh, the Samara Weaving killing and everything. That we might actually get a cult of Ghostface in this film. But of course, we had another Ghostface say, I don't care about the fucking movies. Or something to the tunes of like that. Yeah, I think that's exactly what he says. (laughs) To those two wannabe killers who wanted to continue Richie's story. And I like the idea that they 
also had Richie still in the series, even though the character's dead. And more like a Jigsaw vibe when Jigsaw is dead in the Saw films. With the whole shrine and everything. Yeah. And the fact that... Should we tell him about the killers? Absolutely. They're his family. Now, the first two, yeah, probably predictable. But when it, when the third one was unmasked, my jaw dropped. Yeah. Because when we last saw Quinn, it looked like she was dead. And we were buying, I was buying Dermot Mahoney's performance, even though he probably might have been the killer. I wanted not to think he was the killer, because, after all, he's a cop. Who would have thought a cop would be a ghost face? Right. So, I could, it's like, I'm still under the belief, oh, maybe he's not the killer, because, well, they wouldn't go there and have a copy ghost face, but they went there. And the fact that the other kid there was also surprising because he was pretty much tagging along the entire time. You know, the the other kid? Yeah. And the fact that in the subway scene, too, he tries to help Mindy out, too. It's like, you wouldn't believe that kid's the killer because he just helped her out. You know? Yep. But now, it's just... He was the killer. It's just amazing how the writing was in this film. I want unpredictability. This film was unpredictable. And what was great too is it opens the door for for another uh, another scream film. Yeah. At some point, we're getting the mother. I think the next film we're getting the mother. Because at some point she's gotta be in this. Yes. Because we mentioned her twice now in the series. The fact is, she, she got the other girl got disowned by her for hanging around with Sam. I would eventually like to see um, Sam become the killer. I don't. If anything, I think I would like to see the mother become the killer. Because you're setting, there's a setup for it. There is a setup for her being a ghost face killer. The fact that her daughters neglected her and everything would make her drive her mad. Plus, she got laid by Billy Loomis. Who's to say she was part of the killings in the original one off screen? Yeah. I mean, you could always tie that in somehow. I'd like them, like, you know, it's, it's still it's still a hope and a long shot, but I'd like to see them bring um, Lillard back. I don't want Lillard back. I don't. I, like, do. I don't. I think that would be How awesome. How does Stu survive that? Uh, Tell me, where's Stu Ben? Wait, escape somewhere? Jail? I doubt that, that Lillard's coming back. 
I really doubt that. He's kind of dead. They even mention in the film he's dead. Because they had his ghost face mask. Yeah. So he's pretty much dead. I think he'd be dead from a TV falling out of his face. Being electrocuted after taking a couple of stomach wounds. You never know. Yeah, but still, there's no need for Matthew Lillard to come back into the series. Seriously. You don't need to bring any more legacy characters back. Oh, seeing, you know, Nev's not, I don't, would never, we might not ever see again in this green film. I did not miss her in that film. I'll be honest. I did not miss her. I don't feel like she 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 didn't need to be there. Have Kirby be the new Sydney. I take that because I really liked her coming back into the franchise. And Gail was still in it. Yeah, but I'm glad they didn't kill her in this one because it would felt repetitive. There were kind of. I know there were a lot of complaints that one of them should have, either one of the core four or Gail should have died. I don't buy that because this is the first movie with the core four without the legacy characters, pretty much. Right, yeah, I mean, it would have just, I don't know, you're right. I think you're right on that one. And if you killed Gail... It would have been repetitive because you just killed Dewey, the last one. Yeah, back-to-back seems a little... uh... And you couldn't kill Kirby neither because that would have been the same thing neither. Right. So, for what they did, they did a great job. I I think so. I think so, too. Be interesting to see where they go next. Yeah. I would say definitely, probably, if I had to guess, I think Mommy's coming for Ooh. Seven. I, You have to at this point. And I would not be surprised if she's the ghost face killer in the next one. We'll have to see. Because you're building this character that you haven't seen She's got to appear at some point. It's like you're teasing and teasing and teasing. And the fact that this character is an important character now. Yeah. She has to appear on screen at some point. I don't mean as the opening kill, but as part of the story. We'll we'll just have to see. I mean, you know, hopefully we do get another one. And we're definitely getting another one. Ninety nine million dollars says we'll get another one. Possibility. Oh, it's more more like likely. It's not like over one hundred fifty million worldwide. Yeah. We're getting another one. I hope so. We're definitely getting another one. There's no way they're ending this yet. 
there's no reason to, quite frankly. Be interested to see where they go with the next one. So, you know, that's it. So I, I gave, uh, you know, out of five stars, I gave Scream like a you know, solid three and a half. Oh, it's easily five stars. It's the best film of the year so far I've seen. Oh, five stars, huh? Well, it's just, for that two hours, it was just intense. More so than any other Scream film except the first one. It really brought the franchise back to where it was. So five stars from Anthony. Yeah. It is a five-star film. I like it. So, what have you been watching lately? Okay, I already talked about Cocaine Bear. Yeah. I just recently watched a documentary on Screenbox called Living with Chucky, which is about a filmmaker who... Interviews of various people in the Child's Play franchise. Her name is Kyra Elsie Garner. She is the daughter of Tony Garner, who handles, I believe, the puppeteering for for the recent Child's Play films. Mm. And for like the first hour or so, it goes into the history of the Child's Play franchise. Then the last half hour of the film goes into her ex- talking with these people about her experiences growing up with the Child's Play franchise. You have Brad Dorff in this documentary, Fiona Dorff, Alex Vincent, Je- Jennifer Tilly, Don Mancini, Christine Elsie, Billy Boyd, and more. It's definitely worth checking out. It's a great documentary. As it tells you about the series, plus tells you the perspective of a person whose father was working on the series during her childhood. It's very worth checking out. And it's supposed yeah. to be a Blu-ray release, I believe, next month. I've seen that. I've seen... We'll talk about Kill Her Goats in a minute. I don't think we talked about that. Yeah, Kill Her Goats was good. Megan, I saw. That was good. Four-star film. It's one of those films where... I'll tell you why it's not a five-star film. If the Dow killed off her programmers, it would have been a five-star film. It's just that scene really irked me in that film. Have you seen Megan? Uh, I've seen half of it. You'll know what I mean. She tries to kill two of the programmers and just uses it as a distraction instead of killing them both. That was like a star deduction there. I want a killing machine, not someone just using something as a distraction. Yeah. 
I believe that is about it I've checked out. There's other films I've checked out, but those I think are the couple ma- two major ones. You know, I've been, uh, like I said, I, I've been very busy, so I haven't gotten, you know, a lot of chances to sit down and watch movies, but movies I did watch is I watched Zombie, um, for the millionth fucking time, and I watched, uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Zombie 2. And I. Zombie Holocaust. Zombie Holocaust, I seen, yep, which was, uh, really great, um, and we seen Killer Goats. Yeah. So. Which is a good film. Yeah, it was alright. A step up from Muck. Yeah, I did not like Muck, so. <laughs> uh, I, actually, I want to go back and uh, possibly watch Muck again because I've only seen it like one time, but I remember seeing it. I was like, oh, this movie sucks. I think the uh, problem with that film was it started in the middle. It was supposed to be like this trilogy that never happened. Mm. I did. Um, I did order the um, Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses box set that's coming out in April. Well, I did order the Empire box set from Arrow Video. Nice. Which has some really good titles in it, which I can't wait. Yeah. That's going to be exciting. I can't wait till I think next week they should be shipping those um those box sets out. I'm not 100 percent sure though. You will probably not see me get one of those. Now, yeah, if they did a Devil's Rejects box set, I'd buy in a hot beat. Because you have to acknowledge that Rob Zombie is the best film director, and then you'll get one. He's a very good film director. It's just he is. <laughs> he it just House of a Thousand Corpses is awful. I still stand by it. It's awful. It felt like a 90-minute music video. I do think it's amazing. You may think it's amazing, but it felt like a 90-minute music video that feels outdated. Yeah. I did watch it a couple years ago. It felt like it was outdated. You gotta watch it again, my friend. It'll probably still be outdated. Yeah, you're, you're, you're too you're too busy into thinking Killer Goats is the best film. No, Killer Goats is not the best film. It's Scream Six. I don't know if it'll be at the end of the month, but after Evil Dead Rise, but I mean Evil Dead Rise could shock you. Yeah, I think you know Evil Dead Rise. I do think it's gonna be really good, but I think Renfield's gonna be really good. So I'm very torn between which one. Yeah. I think, no, hands down, I think Evil Dead Rise will probably be the better of the two films. It's getting all that great positive buzz. Yeah, it really has. So it's usually a tell sign that is really good. I am excited for it. I've seen Bruce Campbell doing some, uh, you know, live events for it and everything, so I'm yeah. excited. I ain't got nothing else. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also catch the Two From Hell Movie Podcast on the Film Arcade Media YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media. Don't forget to subscribe to there. 
As I hope to do a video eventually, it's just I haven't had time. It's been just podcasts lately, but I will eventually get to a video. But it's been busy. Seriously. I still got to watch the rest of WrestleMania Night 2 because I got to review both of those on my next episode. On my solo podcast, I had a lot of episodes in March. Episode 95, I... Have a double interview episode with Brian Matthew Wood, director of Voyeur, which is currently on Indiegogo, as he's trying to raise the funds for his film. I also talked to writer, director, musician Jay Crimson, as we chat about Green Hell, The Witch, which is on Troma Now. Episode 94, I chat with director Skip Shea, who is the director of the Shana Shea Film Festival, as we talk about his latest film, Seeds, which is currently out through Bayview Entertainment and Veepco. In episode 93, I review AEW Revolution 2023. There you go. So I did three episodes in March, so that's great. It's amazing. I never thought I could do three episodes, but I did it. Yeah, it's good stuff. March Madness. Usually I try to do two episodes a month, but it was three this month for some weird reason. Well, as much as I like to ramble on, I think it's time to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I've been ready. Out. This has been a Film Arcade Media Production.